0: thanks. Went on a trip. Saw some things. Saw some things. Saw some people. Our good friend, the good doctor, mm-hmm. the Ivan, the Meisner, and some musician friends. So fun. No drama for me.
1: <laughs> Ate some tacos.
0: Yes, a lot of tacos. Austin, good. you are a great place. I approve of your airport because your rental car situation is on the property and security's easy. Thank
1: you. You guys, this is like a real thing. Mel has a real list of airports that she doth and doth not approve of.
0: Mm -hmm. This morning at like five in the morning, probably for Anita, I texted her and I said, I approve of this airport. Yeah. It's a big deal. Like I'm serious (laughs) for me. (laughs) I made some new skateboard friends and roller skate friends. I like went to skate parks and just like made friends with random strangers and now they're going to come visit me and I will not get murdered. Don't worry. Okay. That's I'm
1: glad. (laughs) <laughs> about that i think it sounds scary but okay guess what what my anniversary is this week it is i it's forgot mm, i wondered if you went there because of that if you like left town because of that or if it just was unrelated
0: i'm, I'm not really quite present enough in the head with time and dates mm. to have remembered it was like today that i remembered no No, I just went because my friend was playing a show in Austin and she's like, come stay with me in my room. And I was like, okay, get me
1: out of here. Bye. Mm, Good. I'm losing my mind. So just there's that. Okay. Just ready for the holidays and the craziness that comes with the holidays to be done. So But it's not going to be done quite yet. And the kids are out of school next week. And so it's just going to get worse before it gets better, I'm afraid.
0: Okay. Well, may the force be with you.
1: Blessings. (laughs) Namaste.
0: We are short on brain cells, so (laughs)
1: that's (laughs) that's all we
0: got for you before the interview.
1: Maybe they appreciate that. Maybe they're also feeling short on brain cells. Um, how are your holiday waitings, waiting through the holidays going? Let us know. If you need to reach out in the Widow Wives Club, we're there. There's been lots of posts about the holidays. And uh, so reach out there and we can, we can support each other there. And speaking of that, join the Widow Wives Club.
0: And also speaking of Widow Wives Club, Thank you to those who have participated in the various holiday activities that we've had especially supporting some fellow widows in financial need. Thank you to everyone who's done that. You make such a big difference
1: and you have helped some hearts be a little bit less heavy right now. Yeah. Yeah, we were able to help um several widows and they they passed along their very very sincere Gratitude to everybody who made that possible. And also thank you to the people coordinating the card and the gift exchanges. That's gonna be that's gonna be a really great thing, I think, as well. So yeah. thank you.
0: Thanks everyone for helping us make this community this way. Cause yeah. it's been a year. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we couldn't really couldn't do it without you with everything. We're kind of just like, yeah. Anita and I right now, it's like 9 30 p.m.
1: <laughs> I know. Do you just Does it just make you feel a little crazy that you're like, and next year is just going to be more of the same thing? Like, we just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. I am planning on next year being better than
0: this so. year for me because my dad won't die again on January
1: 1st. He already died. Probably. I think that's a safe bet.
0: Yeah. And I'm going to protect myself from any nefarious characters because I will only keep my same five
1: safe people in my circle except for you invited random people from texas
0: <laughs> okay but like they're like female roller skaters oh, so okay. i actually met probably my uh my twin there oh. which was really fascinating and That's fun i'm like i understand you <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty uh, pretty funny but
1: okay well uh make sure you uh check out the patreon if you want to keep the podcast going this is like the most low energy intro of our lives uh check out the patreon it's patreon.com slash wwdn wow this is delilah on
0: 100.3 fm and now we were going to play for you michael bolton
1: (laughs) i wish (laughs) We're going to do the Patreon shout out for the people, for our widow besties and above. We do a Patreon shout out every week. Thank you so much for the support you guys give us. (laughs) Can you
0: form sentences? No, I can't. I wish wish everybody could see your face. I actually, I have the recording. Maybe I'll post it on social media.
1: (laughs) I'm not even wearing pants right now.
0: (laughs) Okay. I can't even see below your shoulder. So that's good. I will clarify for her because she's very tired. Patreon is a way to support the podcast, and we have four tiers, starting at the $5 level and up, but at the $10 level, our patrons get a shout-out in episode, in addition to ad-free content, and it just goes up from there for the cool stuff. So we're going to do our Patreon shout-out right meow.
1: All right. To our first secret dead husband, we say, Rockin' around the widow tree, have a ha. <laughs> nope. Have a holly
0: holiday. <laughs> I just had a visual of a Christmas tree with a bunch of like widow ornaments on it. Oh. I don't whatever that looks like. Constance
1: Dalbick. David Kelly. Don Satterwhite. Emily Wesenberg. Evelyn Flores. Gail Bell.
0: Heather Mullins. Ivan Meisner. Hugs. Um Chef Ivan Meisner, mind you. Kat Wait.
1: Maya Glasser. Neil Hooper. Becky Ziba. Sam Finlayson, Amber Vela, Amy Hartman-Martell, Amy Neal, Make Me Salsa, Ashley Hahn, Wait, I want salsa, wait, Amy, will you make me salsa? Barbara Schneeberger, (laughs) Brandi Younger, Brittany Pedro, Chris Steffen,
0: Cindy Wilkerson, Danielle Catterberg, Deb, not a Debbie Downer, Dennis Brazo, Jean-Marie Massey, Jen O'Brien, Jenny Taylor, Jennifer Beale, Jennifer Brown, Jenny Wang, jesse johnson carol schultz laura aguirre penner lauren old lisa hardman powell Lou clausen <gasps> auntie marie hoffman mk anderson meg murto patricia Weist, rachel barbosa sarah morris simone foo sunshine heaven the sylvia amy burke ann drennan
1: anna tracy audrey henniger christina scambato christine anderson thank you she hosted a widow soiree. Cindy Raynaud. Our other aunt, Connie Remich. Don Barber. Debbie
0: Fells. Deborah Westwood. Diana Becker. Doris Reichel. Eileen Stevens-Dem. Emily Toledo. Eric van der Mühlen. Aaron
1: Posick. Gabe Lozano. Gia Benoit. Gina Haas. Ian Sini. Ileana Bell. Jackie. The Jane. Another secret patron.
0: Jennifer Davis, Jenny Armstrong, Jenny Barrow, Jenny Dippold. Hello. Welcome. Jocelyn Milo,
1: Johnny Walker,
0: Judy Malkin.
1: Yay. Julie Stevenson (laughs) That was like the laced heartfelt yay of my
0: life. Well, okay, Judy, just so you know, she was super stoked. We are just stoked that we see Judy's name where we see it. Only Judy knows what we're talking about. Don't worry. Julie Stevenson. Karen Ochoa. Karina Jacobo. Kathy Murray. Katie Getz. Katie Radcliffe. Kara Scarra. Kevin Ferry. Chris Morgan.
1: Laura Keeley.
0: Yes! Lindsay Kanapka.
1: Well, I get to say Marjorie Lewis, and I'm also stoked about that. You better be. Oh, Marianne Hammond. Marion. (laughs) Mariana Hama. (laughs) Marion McDonald, Mari McGowan. Melissa Bowers. Melissa Hancock. Naomi Brown. Rebecca Olemaker. Robin Flam. Stacey Saywert. Cami Tara Tara Wallace. Trenton Thompson. Ugly Sweater, Valerie Packer. And finally, we have... The Grinch Stole Wendy. The Grinch Stole Wendy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank Yay! You again. That's all we
0: can say. Everyone. Sorry that we're tired and short today, but you might be glad. Anita yeah. is ready to go to bed. I can tell. I am gonna go edit this
1: and get this out to y'alls. First I'm gonna go get my kids who are screaming out there still and they're not in bed. Oh, I haven't even heard them. They're oh, screaming they're... quietly. <laughs> That's good at least I guess. I'll take that as a win.
0: Okay everybody, we hope that you love this episode today. I'm Anita.
1: I'm Mel. We're two tired young widows. We're just trying to help you figure out, widow. We do now.
0: This episode is sponsored by the Meisner Family Foundation in memory of Elizabeth Meisner.
1: Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances but guess what a little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff and now you find yourself making all the decisions maybe you're mad about that maybe i am nicole from the he's gone but the money's not podcast is here to help She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor. mel it's everybody's favorite day what day is that um we're gonna talk about things that people sometimes don't like to talk about and that's like money are you ready yeah because you know
0: it's so funny we always talk about death which is what like normal people don't like to talk about but we like to talk about it but now we're people with death that are gonna talk about money but first we're not gonna
1: talk about money we're gonna ease you into it because we can't be jumping right into that can we no Mm, no. Today we have with us Tina Murphy. Hi, Tina.
2: Hello, ladies. How are you? We're I'm scared
0: pretty good. to talk about money. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I promise it won't be painful. Where are you joining us from? I am from Missouri. Where in Ooh. Missouri? So, yeah, I'm in Columbia, Missouri. So there is a middle to our country besides the East and the West Coast, just so everyone knows there. We do have some of us in the middle. <laughs>
1: You're like kind of in the middle, both East, West and North, South too. Kind Yes. Of
2: like. like literally right in the middle.
1: Yeah. Isn't Missouri the show me state?
2: It is. Wow. That's impressive. I don't even want to
0: know what it's show me about. Like,
2: <laughs> I think Me it, the money. Yes. Yeah. I, I think it's more about proving something, not like a flashing kind of show me stuff Oh, not like girls gone wild no not like that so it's more of like if you have if you say something they're like show me the. Ev-. it's like more of the show me the evidence like okay. prove it to me kind of thing yeah
1: interesting really? all right tina you're one of us and i'm so yes. sorry but yes to be one cl- of us
2: the club nobody wants to be a part of i
1: know why don't you back up And Uh tell us a little bit about your person and let us know who you are. Let us get to know you a little bit.
2: Yeah. So, um, my name is Tina Murphy and I met my husband, Jamie, um, in college. He actually came up to me at a fraternity party. He asked me to dance to YMCA and I was like, dude, I don't dance to that song. <laughs> but one of my friends came up to me later. And I was like, do you realize he was hitting on you? And I was like, Oh, really? Sorry I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> little clueless there and so we dated for about uh two and a half years in college and then when we graduated college we were like just too young to get married so we separated for a couple of years and mm-hmm. ran back into him uh at one time it didn't wasn't good timing for me at that point point. And I find up, and this is, this is going to date me back because I looked up his best friend's last name in the phone book.
1: What is that?
2: Right. I know. I don't like my kids probably don't even know what that is. Right. Um, and cause his friend's last name was Zavolnik. I had no idea how to spell it but I knew where he lived so I looked it all up and I just kind of skimmed through it and wind up drunk dialing him one night and we got back together and a year later we are married. Wait, I want to de- I want to hear this drunk call that you made to his <laughs> friend, right? You're like, "Hey, where's Jamie? Do you know how I get hold of Jamie?" <laughs> well, I knew they were living so I knew they were roommates. Oh, okay. They were roommates. So I did know how to like that was my way of getting you were like a private
1: investigationing
2: <laughs> i did i was so like that's how i did it and i had no idea how to spell his friend's last name but um nobody I just knows kind of no <laughs> but i knew the address because back then they you know they had street addresses listed mm-hmm. in that so i just looked that up and called him up you're like let's get back together and he's like okay then you got married well the crazy thing is he had another girl there at the time (laughs) and i had asked him i said is it a bad time he's like no he goes but can i call you tomorrow and i'm like you just told me it's not a bad time and he goes uh well kind (laughs) of is i'm like too bad that was our uh get back together story and we were married for 10 years um the thing about jamie is he could talk your ear off oh my gosh he could I think he I had a friend that was like super duper quiet and very like didn't talk a lot but he could get her to talk like it was crazy and I was like he could just get going and if you ever came to our house for a party you better eat beforehand even though you're coming over for dinner because he's gonna start telling stories and it's gonna be like 8 30 and you're like are you going to start cooking yet? Cause we would grill <laughs> and he would just be like getting there going and, you know, drinking wine. And so it was just, yeah. So you better bring something and snack beforehand or bring some appetizers because you will be starving if you wait until he just serves you. Now he's going to give you a good spread, but Eventually, yeah. And uh wine glasses. He was notorious for like spilling wine glass his like breaking wine glasses and everything. So those are some fun uh Jamie stories. He sounds (laughs) like a character. Oh my gosh. Yes. And I I we have two boys and I can see each him in each of them in different ways. And Mm -hmm. I love to like You know say oh my gosh you're exactly like your dad in that way or you're exactly you know tell my younger one this is (laughs) this is a spitting image of you know Jamie and or your dad and stuff like that so that's always fun to like talk to them about what happened to Jamie he was out playing with the boys. And I was at work at the time. It was homecoming. It was one of my favorite days at, at my work. He was outside playing with the boys and just suddenly collapsed uh, in front of them. Uh, luckily, the neighbors were there to um, help out. It was very strange because my husband was six to 160 pounds, worked out every single day. And it we just, it didn't make any sense. So like when I got the call from the neighbor, I like, I knew you just know that someone like him doesn't collapse and, and make it back. You know, like if it had been like a car accident, I think I would have been like, please let him be okay. Please let him. But I just knew, I knew it wasn't good. And um, we found out later that he had an enlarged heart. So he had hypertrophic cardiomyopathy and it's something that your, my kids can develop and it's something that could just can just all of a sudden like develop so throughout their entire lives they could still develop this particular gene that was that's what happened and how old were your sons at the time Sorry, they were six and nine Oh, so like,
1: I bet that was really confusing for them also.
2: Well, and the crazy thing is there was a lady that, um, was another teacher at my school and, and, uh, her and I did not get along at all, but I had to call her because I knew no other widows. And I was like, what do I tell them? And it was just like, yeah, dad's not coming home. He didn't make it. And he's just like, you just gotta be as honest as possible you know, like using real terms, um, you know, like I didn't say he went to heaven because like, that's, especially for a six and nine year old, it's a very obscure, even for us as adults, it's a very vague statement, you know? Uh, and I just, I was very open and honest about, you know, dad's not coming home. What year was this? Uh, 2013, so 9 years yeah it's um october of 2013 was when he passed away so um just pretty recent of going past the 9 year mark
0: okay so now does that mean your youngest is 18
2: I yes do math. It, yes I it did is math. yes that was impressive that math. is impressive good job yeah it was a fluke <laughs> and you said you couldn't do money and numbers come on <laughs> yeah he is a senior so I have a senior and a um, freshman now that's how old they are now
1: and I'm sure that it's been like super easy being a widow and being a parent on your own and you just like figured it out immediately and yeah. you're like we got this
2: like pff, I was oh my gosh for this uh, yeah like who doesn't know how to handle grief and parenting and running their kids around everything I mean come on that was like such that's cake, cake <laughs> Tina were you working at the time or were you a stay-at-home
0: mom tell us your situation when your husband died
2: Yeah. So I had been a, um, I was a business teacher. So um, I was teaching personal finance at the high school level. I had been doing that for 16 years. And at the beginning of that particular school year, we had found out through the rumor mill that one of the teachers in my department was going to be let go at the end of the year. Before my husband had passed away, I was already like looking like how I could get maybe certified in another area so that my friends, one of my friends wasn't, my best friend wasn't going to get cut. And, um, cause she was the lowest person on our totem pole. And, um, So when my husband passed away, knowing this previous information and having life insurance, I automatically decided that I was going to leave teaching at the end of the school year. Um, Because I was like, one, I knew my friend was going to get her job cut. And I was like, I'm financially fine now. Um, And two, I was like, I don't. I don't want to, I was driving 30 minutes the opposite direction of where my kids were going to school. So, you know, I, I made it through the school year, but I was, it was exhausting (laughs) for sure. So, and then I left that and took part-time jobs. Um, I actually, Stayed with the teaching stuff. I started tutoring student athletes at the University of Missouri. And I also taught um, college at the uh, all women's college here called Stevens College um, for several years also. So I still kept in with the teaching because I think as widows, there's like so many parts of us. Like when my husband passed away, you know, I was no longer a wife. And I had no idea who I was anymore, yet I still was a teacher and I was a mom, but the mom thing just like blew up. So I wanted to keep my teaching identity somehow so that I could, I don't know, feel like I was something for me and just been just a mom. Not that I don't love being a mom, just not only a mom.
1: (laughs) I think it's so interesting. And I love that you're kind of telling us some of these details about your story, because it was like, it sounds like it was a lot of different things. So again, it's not like you just figured it out immediately. It was like, well, we'll do this. And we're going to do this. And I don't know what I want to do. And I'm not sure what I want to be and And I've lost part of myself. And I'm going to keep this part of myself. And you know, just a
2: lot of exploration. Oh, absolutely. And I think that first couple of like, I found the first couple of years was just about surviving, you know, it was like, how do I get one foot in front of the other? And luckily, like when I had my job as a teacher, I mean, I'm just going to say I was a freaking rock star teacher. So I could just go in there and pull something out my butt. I mean literally I I was like I don't know what I'm doing tomorrow but I'll figure it out. When I would walk in I was like I would I was still able to teach things. Now do I think it was this high quality? Nope because some days I'm like I'm just too tired or whatever but I had the best kids. They were so so supportive and we that year was really hard, because two days after my husband passed away, a student also died. So, as I'm grieving, I was helping four high school boys deal with the death of their friend that they had been that they had been through. The two thousand and fourteen class has a lot of tragedy that they had gone through, and I was there for them on those monumental things, and then they turned around and did that for me too, so yeah, that was a rough year. That's a lot. Oh my gosh. Sorry. (laughs) But you know, I, it, it was a lot, but it was, um, strangely, it was so helpful on both sides because I'm leaning on four high school kids who are going through a very similar situation as I am. I mean, of course, every loss is different. I mean, they lost a, you know, a, 17-year-old friend who I had as a student. But there were things that we could talk about because grief is just something that, you know, you got to work through together. And not everyone understands it. There were things that happened, like I wasn't there when my husband died. And this student, Jared, he was there when Tejan, the student, died. And I was like, man, I wish I was there. And he goes, Miss Murphy, you do not wish you were there. Yeah. So we could like talk about things about what was different and how my situation was similar and different. And like, you know, neither one was good there. It's, I always feel like even with people that have like cancer, you know, when they see their spouse, like it's long drawn out, awful. Uh, one time my sister said, well, I'm, sh- I'm just glad that that didn't happen to yours. Cause I think your situation is better. I'm like, eh, I'm going to remove the word better. It's just different.
0: That's so funny you're talking about that because that's what Anita and I talk about a lot. And on the podcast too, we like for a while asked almost every guest the same thing. Would you trade what you had or is one better or is one worse? Because we're both sudden deathers. Yeah. Yeah. It's just just different is what we've come to <laughs> conclude.
2: Yeah. And, and I think because like... You know, the people that had the the cancer, like, or a ter- long-term illness that they watched someone go through. Like, they had the tragedy of watching someone go through that. But they also know knew to take every moment for, like, it, this could be the last, and so they cherished it a little bit more. Well, I think with us, it's like, you didn't appreciate the last night, right? And you're like, ah, I didn't know that was my last night, and you start beating yourself up for that, because... Oh, I should have paid more attention to him that night. Like I can still visually see that I was over at the neighbor's house chatting with the neighbor instead of being with my husband that last particular night, like not chatting with him enough. And, and you just go down this like rabbit hole of like beating yourself up. And I think that's where, you know, like I said, those first couple of years, you're, you're trying to just survive and, Then when I got to, like, year three and four, that was, like, a whole other level to the grief because then I started, like, beating the crap out of my new widow self for not doing things better or, you know, yelling at my kids too much. Oh, something. I think this it's might like, be resonating with somebody. Second. Are you telling my story or your story now? Are you, are you in my head right now? Right?
1: <laughs> because yeah. I'm guilty of all of those things. Right. At this moment. So keep going, telling my yeah. story and tell us how it's <laughs> going to resolve.
2: <laughs> well, and I think it's then because you also start feeling resentful, Of your current situation. I mean, I know I. I mean, there were times where I hated my life. And I don't not in a way that like I wanted to end my life, you know, but I hated it. Like, and I think I also society kind of tells you like time heals things. And I'm like, okay, it's been effing three years now. And I'm still not over this shit. Like, what the hell? So I just went down a huge rabbit hole. Like, I was judging myself. I thought I should be over this by now. So because I'm not over it by now, there must be something wrong with me, right? So I became, what I say, a self-help junkie. Mm-hmm. Because I needed to be more positive, And that would fix me. Like, it's got to be that I'm not positive enough. And I I am glad that I went down that self-help journey. But I also realized there's a lot of things called, I mean, the word toxic positivity uh, is a word that a lot of people use. And it's just more about the fact that we have to always be happy, happy, happy. But the problem is, Life is not freaking happy all the time. Even before my husband died, life was not always happy all the time. And so I think we have this belief that we have to just like love life and we have to be, you know, mantras all the time of like rainbows and butterflies. And it's like, uh, no, that's not real life. And when I was able to understand that I can think that my life sucks and i can learn to get better made such a huge difference in my perspective and it's also understanding that one of my in my part of my coaching program is i teach people you don't have to be miserable forever and that was my biggest fear is i was 3 years out and if i'm still miserable now oh my god am i going to be miserable forever But I don't, you don't have to be that way. But there's multiple things that you have to do is understand your grief, you know, understand that grief takes time. There is no time limit to it. And understand that you have to forgive your past widow self for some of her choices because she was doing the absolute best that she could. And also watch the words you're saying about yourself and your grief. And once I started to do those four things, my healing just turned around. I love that you just said
0: all of those things because it is so easy to judge ourselves or to be upset that we even have emotions and feelings or to beat ourselves up for what we didn't know. And I actually have been doing some meditations on insight timer and like they have different Mm. topics, you know, and one of them was really helpful because it's like we're in the widow world a lot. And so we hear a lot of the same things and, and it's nice when you hear certain phrases that you might perceive differently. And this one meditation, I I think it was about like forgiving yourself or confidence. I don't even remember. I just was hurting from something and was like play something, please and help me heal. And it said, I forgive myself for what I did not know before. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, it just lifted a lot of things. And it's like, how does that apply to widowhood all over the place? We're learning as we go. We're learning every day. So I love that you came to that realization and could start on your healing journey once that you realized that it didn't have to control
1: your life. I also think it's really an intriguing idea That your healing journey was taking place before that, and this was just one step in that. It's not like you weren't healing, and then all of a sudden you were healing. Because that almost sounds—it's almost—it almost almost puts those first three years in a negative light. You know, those were wasted, Mm -hmm. quote unquote. But of course, they weren't wasted. Like that was a lot of time learning and figuring out. And you have to—you have to go through those things. You can't skip. It's like. We were talking to somebody about how there's another stage of grief, and it's where you realize that you can't like outwork your grief, and you cannot oh. figure that stage out until you've already done those things. It's the same thing; yeah. like you have to go through that. So it's not like those are wasted. It's not no wasted time either.
2: No, absolutely, yeah. <clears throat> I think it's like I remember when I was a year out. I was like so wished that I could have like a DVR. You know, it's like you could just like pause it and like fast forward through that part, but you really, you can't. Um, but I think what did happen is what opened up is. I went from judging my healing process to accepting my healing process. Like I wasn't saying things like I'm doing this wrong. And I was like, Oh, like, this is how he, this is what healing looks like. And I'm almost, I'm like, even though it's nine years out, like it still, still hurts. Like hell, like there are certain days that still hurt. Like I'm going to ball, like I'm going to ball my ass out at, you know, my graduate, my son's graduation because his dad's not there, you know, like it's just not fair. And I'm going to allow myself to just cry. What's different, though, is that if I'd have been three, four five years out, I would have been judging that part of me saying, oh, my God, just like, get over it. Like, you, you should be over this by now. You should not be crying.
0: So how do you go from teaching to helping people with money? Because we talked about that, that you do that. So I'm curious, how did that segue, how did your life turn towards that and tell us about it?
2: So I became a, um, I learned about this program where this, uh, woman was certifying widows to become widow coaches. Now this is funny because what I did is I broke down. So this is my map, my um, money mindset, I took her price that what she was doing and divided it into how many classes we were going to be doing and compared that to a counseling session because I'm like, okay, I don't even know anything about this coaching thing. Do I really want to spend this amount of money on a program and not get anything out of it? But I was like, Oh, this is going to be equal to about $150 per session, which is what a counseling session is. So for me as a money person, I needed to make sure I was getting the most bang for my buck even when I chose a coaching program. But I I did her 12-week coaching program, and I started to understand how my words about my grief were affecting my spending. What? And... Wait, what?
1: that's kind that's of really crazy. interesting.
2: Yes. How? How? were? Tell us. Well, as I was saying earlier is that I was judging my grief. I was judging myself. And then I also had this idea I needed to be positive all the time. So I was spending like thousands of dollars on self-help books. I was buying self-help programs and I the, And this part doesn't even make sense. I hate to read, (laughs) right? But I bought like stacks of self help books because I thought I would read them and get positive out of it. But I would just buy them and then be done because it was like, this doesn't do anything. I'm not, I don't want to read. It's too exhausting. Too exhausting. If you
0: collect them, then
2: you will somehow absorb the knowledge and feel better or something. (laughs) But what I realized is that when we were buying stuff, we get a hit of dopamine in our brain. And that was something I never understood. So I had taught personal finance for 16 years, right? And here I am a personal finance teacher over spending. And I'm like, so the 16 years that I taught I can't, it's not even working for me. Like, why am I not able to stick to a budget? And it was because I didn't understand that I was shopping to feel better because I felt like shit all the time. I didn't know how to feel my feelings. And then when I'm judging myself for being three years out, because I should be over this by now, or I should be doing a better job shooting all over myself, right? I was making myself feel bad. So when I started watching the words I was saying, I stopped overspending by thousands of dollars because just accepting where I was in my grieving process and watching the words that I was saying about it, I didn't even have a budget and I was just cutting my save my spending down by thousands of dollars.
0: So when you were noticing your thoughts, did you then replace it with a different thought where you kind of wanted to have your mindset go, or did you just notice it and let it go by and then continue on?
2: It was definitely a process. It was accepting the fact. I think, again, it goes back to the main things that I teach in my coaching program is that there is no time limit to grief. And when I was like, oh, you mean I can be sad? four years out, five years out, and that doesn't mean I'm doing something wrong, really? Like that is how it works. Then it started to remove the judgment of it all. So then when I was feeling sad, I wasn't beating myself up, thinking that I was being negative because I needed to be positive. So I wasn't going and spending money on that. Being okay with being upset or neg or like what people call bad emotions or negative emotions, like knowing that those emotions are normal and owning the fact that um, I'm pissed off about something or I don't like the way my kids are behaving. I could then own it. And then I wasn't going and searching and trying to find, well, there's got to be something wrong with me or I got to find a better way to like parent my kids. Oh no, it's okay. I can, I can just be mad and it's okay.
1: I have one child who has a huge need for that purchasing dopamine. And we've actually had that conversation. Like, you realize that the reason you want this is because when you get something new, it makes you feel good, but it only makes you feel good for like a really short amount of time. And then you don't care about that new thing anymore. I'm like, over and over and over, we have to have this new toy. And Mm -hmm. you get it, and you're like super happy for. 12.5 seconds and then that toy is on the floor and it's on to the next one because it's not about the toy it's about Mm -hmm. the dopamine it's about that excitement it's about that feeling like life is good you know for that however long it lasts which isn't long and which is why it's just like any addiction you know like you have to keep going back for it over and over so that's interesting that you were trying to self-soothe in a way from those grief feelings with just buying crap well maybe it wasn't
2: crap Eh. Well, and I loved what I loved the most was subscription boxes. Oh Oh my gosh. Yeah. Those were so fun because I had one. So that's a dopamine hit because I get to pick it out. Then they would send you a notification that it was coming. Another hit. Then I would be at work and it would show up. It's there. I got the email that's been delivered. So another hit. Then I get to open it oh and you see well first of all you gotta see the box when you get there that's another hit so you actually with online shopping my gosh that's why it's so addicting because you do always get to get these little hits along the way you know it's so funny too because i mean
0: we've all done this i think as grievers oh yeah gotten on amazon and we all have so much stuff and I have recently started doing it again because I've been in EMDR for other things. And so I noticed that like the first like four or five sessions, I would like go by the weirdest things after, because for some reason it made me feel better. But what I noticed that was so funny is if something was not like in the Amazon prime window of delivery, like I didn't even know, I just bought it. Like I wasn't even thinking and say it took like two weeks to get there when it arrived, I didn't get the dopamine hit. It was only when I would spend and be like, yes, I got the thing and it's going to come. And then I forgot about it totally. So yeah. it's
2: so stupid. But I think it's not, it's, I want to say too, it's not that it's stupid. It's that we understand what our brain is doing. And then when we understand it, we're like, oh, well, that makes sense now. And I think so many people don't understand why they're overspending. And if I could go back and teach personal finance again, I would teach a whole thing on like money behavior and how there is this hit of dopamine. I mean, psychology and money, there's so much to it. Like they are so combined, you know, like money is so freaking emotional.
1: Yeah, I so widows, we kind of have this spectrum of money, I'll say issues just for lack of a better word, because for some people when their person dies their spouse or their partner dies it sends them into a really bad place financially they lost one income they might not have had life insurance like a lot a lot of people did not have life insurance they've um just become really in a financially bad position where they're trying to keep the house you know find new jobs go back into the workforce so we have that spectrum And then we also have the spectrum of people who did maybe have life insurance or end up financially better off than they were before, which is another like hard thing to wrap your head around. Somebody posted in the Widow Wives Club just the other day about taking their life insurance check to the bank. And, you know, like for most people, depositing a huge sum of money into the bank would be like a really cool thing to do, but it like just decimates them because they know the price of that. And so we've got this, you know, these two extreme edges and both of them come with so many emotions. And so it's like, it's like, there's not just one set of emotions, but there's a lot of money emotions that come particularly in the widowhood experience.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, I've had um, several widows talk to me about the life insurance money and a lot of them, I've heard the phrase, it's like blood money because someone had to die to get that money. And I like to look at it as this was my husband and my way of taking care of us in case something happened. So this money was my husband's way of helping us take care of the family. And I I don't know if it's because when we got life insurance we had always we did it together like it wasn't like you know just his company's life insurance policy we had bought separate life insurance policies together it was also a topic that i talked to my uh students about like it i mean it's funny because one of my students was like yeah we knew you were going to be financially okay because you'd already told us in class that you had bought life insurance and i'm like yeah like so to me it was a topic that i had just always talked about and so i think it's it's interesting how like i never had the negative connotation about it at least i don't remember i will say that like it has been a while but i really don't remember that i i felt bad about it does that make sense yeah yeah and it's and maybe because i'm comfortable with it and it's it's something that i was like no thank god we did this even like malpractice
0: like okay when people have insurance like say, let's say, for example, I wanted to get my husband's death investigated and see if there was medical malpractice. I know a lot of widows have had to do that. And there's a lot of emotions around that. But it's like, people have insurance for a reason. Like this part is like business. I mean, and if you were fortunate, I guess enough to have life insurance, because here I'm a widow that doesn't have it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it serving its purpose. So it's interesting. I haven't heard it called blood money before, maybe because I never got any, but right. I think that's when people get murdered and there's like yeah. diamonds in Africa involved. So anyway.
1: Yeah. It is one of those things though, that also you can, you get to choose how you think about it, right? Yes. You get to think about it as Your husband's, you know, trading your husband's life or your spouse's or your partner's life for that money. Or you can think about it kind of as, like you were saying, like a gift. And I think both of those things are super common to feel both of those things. You know, some of the comments on that post I was talking about were like, oh, I saw it as that we had adulted together and we had made a decision that helped, you know, that we actually needed. And so I felt proud of us or, you know, felt that gift. And but I do think it's it's a little bit tricky because I feel like some widows don't want to talk about it because they are sensitive to the flip side of that coin, you know, so they don't want to flaunt it in quotation marks. Or the other thing that I think is really interesting is that people don't want to talk about it because they don't want their pain to be minimized because they did have life insurance. Like people are like, oh, well, if you had life insurance, then you have nothing to worry about wrong right I still have a dead person and my life to live even though I had my house paid off you know so I think you're emotionally set because you have money yeah Yeah. which is it does help like let's be honest it's very helpful but also it doesn't solve anything either
2: right I mean I I like to talk about life insurance and I really am advocating for you know people that are you know, the couples and stuff that are young and that are still alive, I, I'm like, dude, you have no idea. Yeah. how they're still alive. Um, it, it is important to get life insurance because it makes that one aspect of my life so much easier. I mean, I did not have to worry about paying my bills on top of grieving and all that other stuff. You know, I mean, so it made it ease easier in an in, in an area, but overall, no. And I think the problem with being able to talk about having life insurance or not having life insurance is we just don't talk about money in general. We're a society that's like you know, money is this topic that we don't talk about. But the problem is It is as deep of a a problem as like sex and kids and, you know, all of those things. And if we don't talk about it, then we can't get better at it. And I think that's one of the reasons why I have worked on, you know, talking more about money in my coaching business. And so I know a while ago you asked me how I got to it. I did, I learned about the life coaching stuff and my teacher was like, you should definitely be doing money stuff. And so I paired the life coaching with the foundations of creating a plan for people's monies. Cause you do have to do both. You have to have a plan for what you want to do with your finances. You can't stick your head in the sand too long with it. Wait, that's what I do too. <laughs> You're talking about Anita. so so tell us what your program involves
0: and how does one find you
2: i basically teach two parts to my um, coaching program we look a lot at you know the first part is just the numbers aspect like creating a plan understanding um finances in general because i just had um a woman who's she's not a widow but She wants she inherited some money and she wants to put it into stocks and all this other stuff. And she's so nervous about it. Like we don't talk about like what investments are like investments are a huge game. And the investment world likes to keep us in the dark and they like to make it hard and scary. And once you know how to play the game, it's so much easier. And once you understand the verbiage, it's easier to deal with, but even the stock market right now, I mean, my goodness, we're like, go, it goes up and down and there's so many emotions involved in that. So I work with people on the money piece Uh, So again, we create a plan, make sure that you feel comfortable with um, understanding all aspects of finances. Um, I do not give tax advice, investment advice, or insurance advice. Um, Basically what I can do is teach you about those concepts, help you pick out advisors or agents that can help you with those things. Uh, and then the other piece that I do is we really look at the emotional piece of really why you're not sticking to the plan. Meaning, like, if you decided to only spend five hundred dollars on groceries, why did you spend seven or eight hundred dollars on groceries? Now Oreos it-
1: or cortapaxy bags.
2: <laughs> that
1: that wasn't in the groceries budget no yeah that was not in the budget at all
2: (laughs) yeah so it's it's um looking at now of course with like prices going up where you know you adjust it to that but you know I love going to Aldi's and that do you guys have Aldi's no but we know what Aldi's is okay grocery store yeah it's a grocery store and it has like the one aisle that has like all the fun goodies and stuff and Oh. oh my gosh Oh yeah. Like I need an all these in my life. Yeah. So I always, I go down there and I'm like, man, but there is some kind of emotion that's being brought up by that, that I did not plan for. So, you know, it's looking at that and, and then at the same time, not beating yourself up when you make mistakes. Yeah. I'm uh especially for me as a finance teacher, I was like, oh, I should be doing this better. <laughs> Well, I didn't didn't. know how to grieve. I didn't know how to grieve. I don't know. Nobody teaches us how to grieve. right? So we talked a little bit about
1: this. I actually did a little mini, well, I don't know if it was mini, but a little coaching session with you on this yesterday. And one of the things you talked to me about, which it was very funny because we quickly moved away from money and talked about all sorts of other things, mostly parenting. But um, it was interesting that you talked about, we said the budget was a bad word and it was, we're going to plan. And also reframing things as what we're saying yes to instead of what we're saying no to. And I think just both of those concepts were like, of course, we kind of know them. But then when somebody else kind of, you know, helps you to look back at your own brain, and you're like, Oh, duh, of course, Um, just both really interesting concepts and something that you can help people be able to talk through, right?
2: Right. Uh, So one of the things that, like I said, uh, like um, Anita said, was that I do not use the word budget because budget is like the word diet nobody likes them (laughs) because they feel so restrictive like you can't like live with you know it's like you're just basically telling yourself no you can't have things so what I like to do is I like to call it a plan a spending plan like you're making a plan for what you want to do and then what I also do is I help you create what's called a yes list and this yes list is what you want to say yes to so if you're going to go to let's say you're saving for a trip. Uh, you want to take your kids on a trip or you want to go to Camp Widow, right? And you're like saving for Camp Widow and a new pair of shoes show up and you're like, oh man, I really wish I could get those shoes. If you told yourself, no, you can't get those shoes, your mind is going to obsess about those shoes. Why like, can't I have those shoes? I want those shoes. I want those shoes. And your brain is just going to like spin on them. Whereas if you tell your brain like, uh, We're not going to get that because we want to get this over here. Then you're focusing on what you're actually wanting instead of what you can't have. Like I want to go to Camp Widow. So that $55 or $70 or $100 on those shoes is going to go over here to my Camp Widow fund. And so that is really what's important is that you think about what you want to be spending your money on. It's easy to say no to something when you have something over here to say yes to. Excellent. I think that's great advice. I said yes to
1: um, almost $6,000 worth of braces today for one of my kids. So feeling a little sensitive about that right now, guys.
2: Yes. Uh, Yeah. uh, It's fine.
0: (laughs) So Tina, where does somebody find you and your resources?
2: So I am on Instagram at widow's wallet. And I also have a um, website called widowswallet.com.
0: We will link to that in the show notes, everybody.
1: Tina, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for bringing your expertise. We have an important question that we have to ask you before we can let you go. Oh boy. And mm-hmm. um, Should I be yeah, nervous? I, yes. Yeah, you might need to be. It's a it's a question <sighs> that you probably did not prepare for in your coaching programs or in teaching high school or any of those things. Oh my gosh. I'm really Mel. nervous. It's
2: really, really hard
0: and like you've already been through death and all this stuff. It's harder than that. Are you
2: ready? Is it going to be who's picking out who's the coolest host here? Like, (laughs) oh, it's even worse. Oh, it's harder. harder. Okay. What is your favorite
0: cheese?
1: (laughs) Colby Jack. Easy, but hard. She said yes to Colby Jack. She didn't say no to the other cheeses. No, I'm just saying yes to Colby Jack. And she's being kind to
2: herself and her decisions because it's part of life. Thought work, guys. Thought work. Yeah, that is my choice right there. Like no judging it at all.
1: <laughs> Thank you, Tina, so much for joining <laughs> us. If you guys have some issues around money or you have some things that you would like to discuss, you can find Tina on Instagram and set up some uh, call. You do like a free introductory call with people, don't you? Yep, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you can set that up with her. Uh, we know that widows have lots of issues with money. Money's weird. Money comes with emotions, So check her out. Uh, if you want to keep the podcast going, speaking about money, go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash WWDN. It's a way that you can support the podcast and keep it rolling.
0: If you'd like to buy us tacos, go to buymeacoffee.com slash widow we do now.
1: And if neither of those things work, you can always give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And until we get to talk to you again, I'm Anita. I'm Mel. I'm Tina. We are just two young widows and the guru of money. And we are all just trying to figure out, Widow,
2: we do now.
0: This is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow, your person is dead, you might have kids, you might need another option, and you just want your phone to work, you want unlimited texting and service, and you want it to be like 25 bucks a month.
1: It blows my mind that they have plans that start at $15 a month. That is so cheap. And the cool thing is, is it uses other 5G networks, and so you don't have to pay extra for that, and you still get great service.
0: Yep, Anita and I have traveled all over and I have used my phone. So I highly recommend it and my mom's even on it. When my dad died, we put his phone down to the cheapest plan, which is $15 a month. And I think my mom's on the $20 a month plan and it's so worth it. It's so much cheaper than what we were all paying before. So I highly recommend it if you're on a budget or not. Who cares? Ryan Reynolds is in charge of the company and they send you free stickers with Ryan Reynolds temporary tattoos. It's kind of the best. So if somebody wants to sign up, what can they do, Anita?
1: Go to trymintmobile.com slash WWDN. Seriously, you guys, such a great idea. Save yourself some money.
0: And if you're worried about losing data or having any changes with your phone, not going to happen. They walk you through it. Everything's fine. It's the easiest process
1: of all time. Again, that's trymintmobile.com slash WWDN.